Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Operation Camouflage Christmas by Dee Dee Lake and Susan M. Baggins How can love blossom for two army officer candidates when dating is forbidden? Setting aside broken dreams of love and marriage, Samantha Brooke Cooper Sanchez is determined to complete officer candidate school at Fort Benning, Georgia, so she can be a nurse in the Army Medical Corps. She wasn't looking for love. Then surprise Christmas gifts began showing up. Who's sending them, and how does this person know her so well? Bernard Travis has been friends with Brooke since high school. They'd remained in contact over the years, and now, for the first time, she's available to pursue, except dating is forbidden in OCS. When she doesn't realize who her mysterious gift-giver is, Bernard begins to doubt he'll ever win her heart. Will God make his fondest Christmas wish come true? Discover an engaging story of love, trust, and faith. Hi, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I'm talking with Dee Dee Lake, the connection expert, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Maybe not writing-related, but I'm really intrigued by that. And we're going to talk with her about writing, about her life, and a little bit about her book, Operation Camouflage Christmas. So welcome to my show, Dee Dee. Well, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I, I just can't wait to chit chat yeah. with you. Good. So the connection ex expert, did you tell, did, is that what you call yourself or does someone else call you that? <laughs> That's funny. I've never been asked that. Um, it's something that after a lot of different titles, trying to kind of figure out how to uh, brand myself, mm -hmm. that that's what I realized that no matter what I've done in my life, that connections is my passion with relationships. And so that just, just fit, you know, for me. I think I love it. And I think as an author too, it's like a great fit because we're trying to make that connection with readers. Um, I'm also, um, I also coach writers. And one of the things that I love to help them with is making that reader connection, right? To, to, to make that connection for the reader. And a lot of authors, and you may have come across this um, in, in your, your very past as well, just have a lot, they, they look at, you know, we have to connect with social media, doing a newsletter, doing Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. They look at it and they're like, <laughs> you know, I want to crawl in their little hole and die. And what I try to talk about is that connection. I said, look, we're not, I'm not trying to sell you my book. Right. If you want to buy it, great. You know, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm, but what you're really doing is you're nurturing a connection with a reader through your writing at first, right? And then through, that's what you use social media to, because you're just nurturing that connection. And when you look at it that way, I think it really helps flip that. And I think that some of the things that you do, a speaker, an author, a blogger, a columnist, that's what you're doing. You're nurturing those connections. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on that. I, I think you're right on track. Uh, I, I think that writing is just one more way to connect. 
when we, we all desire those relationships and that connection. Some of us are better at it than others, uh, some are more comfortable at it than others. And, you know, we were talking earlier before we started recording about just location, you know, too, sometimes makes it really difficult. And then of course, you know, uh, 2020 happened and all that nasty stuff. But, um, I think it's so important for us to uh, have relationships and have those connections because we were made for that. You know, we were made for relationship. Mm -hmm. We just were. Yeah. So, um, so how do you, how do you translate that into your book then? How do you make those connections with your characters in your books? I, I, I don't know about you, but I love to read a book and, or write a story mm-hmm. that um, when you leave, you still think about that. When you're done with them, you still think about those characters. This one lady was telling me that her she has an uh, a fan that sent her a, thing, uh, a message and said, I've been praying for so-and-so. And she had to write back and say, you know, it's just a character in a book. So to me, that's that's true connection. You know, that is the way to do it, that um, you want your, your um, characters to become so real to to your reader that they care about what's going on with them or they're mad about like something that that one has done. We've got in our first book, uh, I'm sorry, the second book of the series, we've got a character of, oh, you just want to like punch him, you know, you're so mean. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, right. And when, in writing romantic suspense, you know, there are bad people, (laughs) there's bad people who are doing bad things. And yet sometimes it's so important to show kind of, how that connection went wrong. Right. Right. You know, cause sometimes it can start out as a good thing. We've seen that in our own life where something is a good thing and then something happens and just twists it. Um, well, sin happens and twisting, you know, we can let it, but I just find that very interesting that there are those broken connections too. And how as writers, we use a lot of those as, as conflict, as story, story forward. Yeah. Yeah. All those kind of things. Um, I, what I like to do when I write a story and Susan is the same way, my writing partner, Susan Baggins, um, we both like to see that the character has an arc to it. You know, when that, when you read a book and a story and it's really flat and you haven't seen change happen in that character, especially the main characters, um, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't grab you. But in our stories, you know, we really try to make sure that there's a, a change in them or a, that moment where they're like, oh yeah, this is what God wants for me or how it's different. Right. And I, I love that you mentioned God because they're, um, you know, we do as Christian romantic suspense writers, we do get to offer that faith element that that's the ultimate connection, right? <laughs> connection to God and how our characters either grow in their faith, perhaps return to their faith, um, realize that their faith is stronger than they thought it was or maybe weaker than they thought it was. I mean, there's all those kind of connections. So I, I always love to to show that be have that be part of their part of their arc as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for us, we've, uh, this is a series and the series is called rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wanted, my heart's desire was for people to, to connect to military people. The lifestyle that, that we have, um, is so different from, a, in a lot of ways from civilian world. And, um, I grew up a Navy brat and, um, I was an army wife. So spent, you know, my whole life being military without going in, uh, <laughs> but I definitely served, but just a different way. Yeah. And, um, my writing partner, Susan, 
was not around the military. So she, this was all kind of new for her. Uh, and so it's been fun to co-write with her because we get to see the differences in what she thinks about what goes on in a, the military world and what really does. And so that we talked about connection earlier. That's really one of the things that was such a heart, you know, part of my heart for me was I wanted people to read the books that they are all set in a military setting, but it's not about the mission. It's about the relationship. And so that's what I want them to connect with. You know, like one of our, um, mm-hmm. Group one book is about the first one here is about the army brats that get together later on, you know, and so there's some mystery there to some suspense of how they're going to connect. And, um, but another one is about a, a single mom in the army, you know, what mm-hmm. she's going to do with her special needs child when she gets called out. And so just different things like that. We have a wounded warrior in one of the books. And, um, we just think that being able to connect people to that those different relationships, those different types of situations, the gold star family, the parent that has a child in the military, you know, all those different um, aspects of people connected to the military. Yeah. And do you find not to go on a too much on a rabbit trail, but this is always fascinating to me. You know, my dad was 20 year in the air force. My, um, my younger sister is currently in the air force. Um, You know, I find that for many people, that's a foreign thing. You know, they have no one who has served. And I always find that interesting. I mean, it's kind of sad in a little bit, like people don't think the military is like a good option for kids or something like, you know, it's not for everyone, just like every job and like college is not for everyone. Anyways, I just didn't know that was just interesting that you just chose to focus on, on that. I mean, lots of people write about military, but it just, I'm always fascinated by, you know, that, that I think it's important to have, all these different slices of life shown, but especially the military because of the, you know, without them, we, we would be in a whole lot of trouble. So <laughs> um, it's funny to me because having grown up in the military, I love uh, when somebody tells, like, I'll talk to people all the time, of course, because of the connection. Yeah expert. And um, I always want to know what they do. Like I met a man that he company worked for invented the edges of the shoelace, you know, that little plastic part that's on the, I'm like, yeah, I guess somebody had to do that, you know, but my world has been all about military, you know, Mm. you know, like if somebody says they're an armor, I'm like, okay, know what that is, you know, or whatever gunner pilot. And um, so to find all these really interesting jobs that people have as civilians to me is just as foreign as, you know, the other way around, like people not understanding that on a military post, you've got a bowling alley, you've got a grocery store, you have, you know, schools, all those things you know, that you have. It's just like a little town, you know, basically. Um, I, I had always, I've lived everywhere, I've lived in 50 houses, you know, so mm. I've lived in a lot of places and I'm always so intrigued by the person that has lived in one or two houses. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I don't even have an idea that how that would work, but yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I got the tail end of my dad's career, so I don't really remember any house, but one, so <laughs> lucky me, my older siblings, not so much, but anyway. Um, my son says I have issues because I always move my furniture around and I'm like, you know what? I I'm not moving. So I got to move the furniture. Yeah, you got to I- look, got to get something fresh enough. You're like, Hey, we've been here. How long? Okay. Come on, come on, people. Should yep. we be pulling up stakes? And- <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I know somebody, I probably would have less stuff if I move more often, but I'm okay. actually pretty good about it. You know, I, I'm not too, I'm not too cluttered. 
we actually have just um, recently had to empty everything out of our attic because we had, we didn't get to get the roof replaced. And I was like, why, you know, some stuff up there. I was like, yeah, yeah, that this is good. And I didn't have too much, but there was still this smallish pile of stuff. Like, why did I keep that? Yeah. There's always that one box <laughs> that you're like, really? What, what's this in here? For? I know. There was like, there was a couple of those. We're just like, what? Oh, okay. I know why I kept it. Yeah. But that was like two fridges ago and I don't need this <laughs> car anymore. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, all right. So tell me a little bit about Operation Camouflage Christmas. Okay. Don't give anything away, but what was your favorite? Let's start. Let's, what was your favorite part of writing that book? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, what was my favorite part of writing the book? I think the collaboration with Susan has really been fun. Hmm. Um, so what happened was that 30 years ago when we lived in, when I lived in Panama with my husband and daughter where we adopted her, um, I started writing a story and I wrote on it for a while. And, you know, it's, it's just this story. And I called it uh, God, love or country, you know, cause the guy had a choice of those three basically. And which actually now is going to be book two in this series called mm -hmm. allegiance. But I met Susan at a writing conference 2014, I think it was. And she works for a different publishing house than I do. And, and I didn't work for one at all then. And she says, Hey, you know, I'd really like that story. Send it to me. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I was so excited that someone would be interested in that story. And so I went home and got the whole, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, kicked mm -hmm. in and I was like, Oh no, she doesn't really like, it. she would just be nice, you know? And so I met her again the next year at the same conference and we became friends at that, this point. And, um, She's like, where's my, where's my manuscript? I'm like, ah, you know, so this went on for three or four years. We'd see each other, you know, once a year and talk throughout the year or whatever. But um, so finally one year she came and she's like, Hey, would you like to have a writing partner? And would you be interested in that? I'm like, oh, how would I even do that? You know? So she's never done it. She's published 25 other books on her own you know, with herself. Mm -hmm. And um, so this has been a big change for her too. And for me, um, I'm a plotter. So I had all this information out ready to go and, um, and so I sent it to her and she was like, Didi, there's like five books in this. And so uh, we just then developed it. So that for me, I think is probably the joy in it that um, it's become a reality, you know, like just seeing it, like, here it is, like, here's the book, you know, yeah. and, um, I have proof. I actually did work on something. So yeah, for me, that's the fun part about it. Yeah. And I'm um, just, yeah, that's a great story. And I loved your imposter syndrome because, you know, I often talk to writers who are in the same, but they're like, oh, she didn't really mean it. And I just look, I said, look, I said, that agent or that editor has way, has enough things to do. If they were not serious, they would not have said it because they need another manuscript to read. Like they need a hole in the head <laughs> exactly. if they're not really interested in it. Right. I mean, right. that's the thing. So they don't just say that. Yep. That's true. Now I know. You know, now, you know, but all the, all you writers or new writers out, just remember if they say, send it, send it. Which is really sad. I, I think it's like 75% or something. It's a huge number of people yeah. do not send in what the, the person is asking for. And I'm like, and I was, I was that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, there's something to be said. Okay. Yeah. Maybe read it over again, have someone read, but don't, you know, don't let a year go by. Yeah. Or four. <laughs> or four in Dee Dee's case. Well, yeah, send it in. Well, we are almost at the end of our time. So I want to ask one more question. Let's see. Um, 
what is the other question? What do you think is the most rewarding thing about writing romantic suspense? Mm. Well, first of all, I love suspense anyway. You know, like I, I love like, to me, it's like a surprise all the time going to happen. Um, Susan and I with us writing together, she writes some and then I write some, we go back and forth. And um, she's like, she wants to surprise me because I already know pretty much the story. So when she writes something, she's like, I know if I can surprise Dee Dee, then the reader's going to be surprised. So I just think being able to have the the reader continue to be engaged is is a lot of fun. That that for me is yeah. I mean, I love reading romance because that's, I mean, I have friends who write wonderful romance, but every, but sometimes I read it. I think, isn't someone going to be shooting at them soon? Right. Right. Yeah. Our explosion the, here would be great. I need to <laughs> tell you the story, the story is about the first one, Camouflage Christmas. Right here. Yep. It's about um, two army brats that knew each other in high school. He had a big crush on her and they, you know, of course is that life changes and they went around and, but he still was in love with her and they wind up at OCS in Fort Benning um, officer candidate school. And um, he knows she's going to be there, but she didn't know he was going to be there. And so it's that relationship, how it develops and there's little, you know, suspense in there. So it's fun. I think you guys will enjoy it. It's a novella. Actually, this one's a novella. The rest are novels. So we just wanted to kind of get everybody just a little interested in the, the yeah. story. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, thank you. This has been delightful, Didi. So thank you for being on my show. Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun. It's nice to meet you. You have been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hammerker. And I'm so glad you joined me. Today, my guest was Dee Dee Lake. You can find out more about her in the notes to this podcast and stay tuned for a short excerpt from Operation Camouflage Christmas. Now an excerpt from Operation Camouflage Christmas by Dee Dee Lake and Susan M. Baggins. Fort Benning, Georgia, Officer Candidate School. Cadet Samantha Brooke Cooper Sanchez awoke with a start and jumped out of her bunk. Determination coursed through her veins stronger than coffee. She took a deep breath before donning her clothing for morning exercises. Come on, Huff, Starkey. We're coming. I don't think I'll ever appreciate waking at 0430. O.C. Simone Huff grumbled and stretched, moving slower than a sloth. Nurses and physician's assistants don't always get the luxury of sleep, and it's no different in the Army. O.C. Gina Starkey rose and made her bunk with military precision. Yeah, you've told me. So stop being so chipper at O-Dark 30 in the day. It's annoying. Sarcasm dripped from Huff's words. Starkey was a know-it-all and not the friendliest of roommates. She often flirted with the guys, but always stayed too close to carrying it too far. It was annoying. Once they were all ready, they joined the other cadets as they rushed out of their barracks to fall into formation as 2nd Squad, 3rd Platoon, Bravo Company. O.C. Bernard Travis was to her left, and O.C. Huff to her right. Today was a ruck march. Great. She thought she'd endured enough of that in basic. Several weeks of that here, and it was growing old fast. Change your attitude, cadet, she mentally scolded herself. She'd endure. She always did. Brooke had worked hard to get college credits while in high school. She joined the National Guard and managed to obtain her RN certification fast. Why was she in a rush? To prove she could do it. <laughs> 
and to make her father proud. She glanced to her left. Bernard gave her a brief nod and a wink. They'd been in high school together while both their fathers served on the same post. She wanted to scoff at how easy she thought this would be after being raised as a military brat. Basic was rough. Nursing school had been a challenge, too. She hadn't expected Bernard to be here. He was a pleasant surprise when she first arrived. It was nice to see a friendly face. She chose to lock up her teenage crush over him. That was years ago. Even if only as a friend here, it helped the time go faster. She stretched and tried to get warm in the darkness. The order was given to begin their march. No conversations as they all focused on the sing-song cadence of the words the sergeant called out for them to repeat. A yellow bird with a yellow bill. He landed on my windowsill. I coaxed him in with a piece of bread. And then I kissed his little head. I called the doctor, the doctor said. My dear good man, this bird is dead. Brooke grinned at the silly cadence. Yellow Bird was one of her favorites, even if the bird died at the end. After returning from their march, they marched to breakfast at the dining facility. She kept wanting to call it the mess hall, but that terminology was old. She hoped she never got caught slipping up using that term lest she get in trouble. Challenging, because that was what she'd grown up knowing it as. Once they'd gone through the line for food, she sat in her usual assigned position with Bernard, Corson, Vanderloo, Starkey, and Huff. Brooke sighed, suddenly struck with homesickness. What's up? You seem preoccupied, Cooper Sanchez, Bernard said, as he shoveled food into his mouth. How could a man eat so fast? I'll be missing Christmas with my family this year. My parents and youngest sister are in South Korea, and my other sister is busy with work and school. That's no fun, Cadet James Corson said. He was a physician wanting to specialize in burn treatment. He was Bernard's roommate, along with Vanderloo. I'm stuck here too, Bernard said, before taking a drink of coffee. Ugh, I'll never get used to this sludge. He set the cup down. My pop's stationed overseas. Mom is in California. Too far to go in too short a time. The military owns you now. Better get used to it. Your life is no longer yours. O.C. Vanderloo was also a nurse. I'm not complaining, Brooke protested with a shrug. Just makes me sad. Cheer up. A lot of us are in the same boat. Someday you'll get Christmas with family again, just not this year. O.C. Starkey was a physician's assistant, like Bernard. My family will be flying over to visit. We'll stay in a quaint motel. Bernard winked at Brooke again, and she shook her head. What did that wink mean? Of all the people on post, she'd experienced more of life with him, but that was ages ago. He'd been two years older when they first met in high school. Getting through medical school before joining OCS took him about as much time as her accelerated path to nursing. Funny how they both were selected for OCS at the same time. 
He was easy on the eyes, too, which didn't hurt. Once the meal was over, they rose in unison to dispose of their trays and get in formation to head to platform instruction. They marched, walked, or ran everywhere in formation. Brooks studied hard. She was assertive in answering questions and had spent her last year at home reading anything she could get her hands on about Army leadership training to be prepared for these months of schooling to become a commissioned officer. Her twin sister was trying to get as far away from anything military and had been a competitive swimmer while going to college. Kobe wasn't as assertive as Brooke, but as the older of the two by minutes, Brooke worried about her sister. Brooke thought about Kobe, her twin. They were identical on the outside, but inside, so different. Brooke was driven and a natural leader, a type A personality. Kobe was more laid back, a hard worker, but not as driven and a little lost in finding her path. Lord, help Kobe seek you for everything. God had a plan. Brooke could trust him to lead them both. Being brought back to the present, Brooke surveyed the classroom filled with soldiers all in camouflage as they attended platform instruction. Her sister might not want to ever marry a military man, but Brooke had no such qualms. She still smarted over the defection of her fiancé, Clay Morton. Sure, he was destined to perhaps be a great oral surgeon, but he decided he didn't want an army wife. He preferred someone who would be home for him at his disposal. Even without the army, that wasn't who Brooke could ever be. She was ambitious and proud of it. There was nothing she couldn't achieve if she worked hard enough, and while the physical and mental rigors of OCS were challenging, she was nowhere near ready to give up her dreams. Clay could find someone else for that. She yawned. Sleep was hard to come by in OCS. It still smarted that Clay didn't find her dreams worthy enough. He'd even given her an ultimatum. Clay or the Army? The Army won. If God wanted her to have a husband, he'd need to make it clear who that person would be. Not that she could marry now, much less date. This course took everything she had and then some, as it did for everyone else in Bravo Company. Was she even ready to consider a guy for something more serious than friendship? She had time to figure that out. If any one of the guys here were man enough to appreciate her drive and strength, that is. What had drawn Clay became the same thing that had pushed him away. Perhaps in her desire for a perfect life, she'd overlooked the evidence that things weren't that great with Clay after all. If she'd been more focused on the relationship instead of her career, maybe she'd have realized that sooner and ended it herself. Clay had screened something similar to her when she'd attempted to argue her way into them continuing on with their plans. Ouch. Her mother always told her relationships mattered and not to get so focused on the goals that she'd overlook people in her life. She'd obviously failed, but how could she change that for the future? Her laser focus on her goals, her control of her plan, was what brought her here. If she let go... Would she lose everything? 
Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.